when you're in that place feeling like you don't have power, one of the questions you can ask yourself is how can I be of service or um, what can I do? And, and I think it also is going back to um, taking tiny little baby steps because sometimes when you're in a situation that feels so overwhelming and that you have no control over it at all, um, you lose sight of the fact that you create your own reality and the decisions that you make create that reality as well. Aloha, my beautiful listeners and viewers from all sides of the world. Welcome to Abundance in Action podcast. My name is Krista Ralaksmedetten, coming to you from beautiful San Diego, California. I call myself New Time Coach because I believe that each one of us, we have a treasure box inside. And once we activate it, we can start to live our dreams on our terms. And today we have a very special guest who is a master goddess about money empowerment and how relevant it is to have such a guest in this amazing, beautiful podcast, which is called Abundance in Action. So welcome, Carolyn. Thank you for having me. Yeah. And we know with each other, with Carolyn, actually through um, Rebecca Masood, who is our coach, and we are in a coaching group called Soulful Speakers. And we have supported each other there, you know, uh, training our speaking and uh, throwing out some ideas about our businesses. And you always stand out in the, even in the Zoom call, you always so decked out and so beautiful and shiny oh, smile and everything. <laughs> so, uh, I must, I, I think that must be that land of plenty where you are, you know, rooted these days. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And let's uh, introduce you now to our listeners and viewers a little more. Um, your name is Carolyn Patino and um, you have quite the history behind you to become the master goddess of uh, money empowerment you are today. You are the child of the 70s, daughter to two hardworking entrepreneurs and you were infused with the entrepreneurial mindset, which helped you actually to save up for your own car as a teenager, as well to pay your trip to Germany uh, on your senior year. And I was also very surprised to find out that you were uh, a real big fighter for sexual education. And you actually also ended up working um, at the Planned Parenthood um, uh, organization for a while. And you were uh, so much deeply into corporate world as well. And um, after uh, some um, incidents where you basically were fired and, and one job kind of ended, you were starting a new chapter and started to do bookkeeping for your clients. And now you have done it for over 100 um, clients. And you have uh, figured out that there is more to bookkeeping than just numbers. You have taken it to the other level and you have actually started a money empowerment project. Yeah. And you um, are so passionate about this uh, topic and especially to help women, uh, business owners and solopreneurs uh, to become best friends with their money. 
And you have also written an international best-selling book, which is called The Land of Plenty, A Soulpreneur's Guide to Finding Joy, Possibility, and Abundance Through Money Empowerment, which has been featured on the uh, Spirited Woman's uh, Top 12 Book Pick List for 2020. And you love the sunshine, your happy places anywhere near the water, you also um, have moved to San Diego in uh, sunny California. You live here with your husband and two cats. And um, you even believe that in your last life, you have been a mermaid. Absolutely. As you can tell. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, two mermaids got together. And another uh, detail which came out, which you actually told me and which you also have in your book, is that you have also a degree in anthropology and uh, in addition to minor in creative writing. So uh, we have similarities there too. So and both now living in San Diego. So how cool is that? It's awesome. I love it. <laughs> yeah. And one of the main messages which you also have said is, you know, turn money mess to money mastery and um, that's like so true because I think um, especially during the times we are um, right now in many people have figured out they are maybe probably even more in the money mess than they uh, figured earlier so um, it's um, so much to learn from you uh, I'm so happy so lucky to have you here and the starting point, which I was thinking about this, um, how to guide this uh, story in, is actually one thing which you also touch on and which I myself also have been, uh, also for years I've been talking about it, is that um, in regular schools still this day, there is no like proper uh, money or abundance um, managing or handling or, you know, cultivating money or finances class or education. And because of that, so many of us, we have to just like figure it out ourselves. And then um, one of the first ways we do that is, of course, we are growing up in our families. So we are infused with what's going on there, what is uh, talked um, you know, about money there. And then um, the teacher, school, you know, if we start to do work. So we are infused by so many influences and influencers outside of ourselves. And then when the day, once the day comes, when we start to like earn our own money, we are oftentimes finding ourselves, we are in deep trouble because money just kind of doesn't want to come to us. It's like, this friend who is like just coming to visit for a little while, but is gone out of the door before you even can say, uh, you know, hello, like, how are you? Uh, so what is it you say about that, like money education? And also, how is that important? You know, also how we start to cultivate our money or build our relationship with money? What's your take on that? Yeah, I would agree. I think that there's so many times um, people grow up with all of these stories, whether it's the stories in your family or the stories in the culture that you grew up in. There's all of these stories that influence us all the time about money, and we don't realize that it's even happening. And there's no formal education in the schools. 
So when we get out into the real world and start paying for things like groceries, we have no idea how much things cost, let alone how to manage that money. And so we're left kind of to the wolves to figure it out by ourselves. And it can be terrifying. And I think a lot of people, when they really start having their own money, immediately go to, why don't I know this? This should be easy. I should, I should be better. And it turns into something of judgment rather than truly an opportunity to learn and grow from what you, from what you're experiencing, because you think it's something you should know. It seems so basic and it's not, it's not anything we were ever taught. Yeah. And um, I had a huge discovery. I think it was 2005. I was actually at that time studying in Norway. And in my memory bank, I, I got into that picture sitting by the kitchen table with my grandmother who said, you know, we are poor and we will always be poor. And understanding, oh, my God, that projection had been running till that moment, you know, that's not relevant anymore. It's not working for me. So thank you very much, grandmother. I'm so grateful for everything you gave, but this is not valid anymore. And from that moment, there was like a huge transformation and shift coming. Just this one projection of one insight, like how amazing is that? Yeah. And and it is interesting because Everybody has at least one, and I would say it's probably more like hundreds of those stories, and they might not be quite as profound as that uh, story that you just shared, but if you start to look back at your money story and you start to think of all those things that you heard or people said to you as a child, or even things that maybe your spouse said to you last week, you internalize all of that. And sometimes you don't realize how those stories are playing out until you take a step back and really see what those stories are. And then you can start to unfold what it is that's really happening and why certain things keep showing up the same way. Um, so my my big money story is that I had parents who were both entrepreneurs, as you mentioned, and I learned at a very, very young age how to work really hard. And it was just a given that that's what you did. You worked hard. So my dad ran, a, ran an electrical contracting company out of our basement. My mom worked a full-time job and then had a side business, which was a craft business, and all they did was work. And so I learned that that's what you were supposed to do. And I thought that's what was normal. And so as I um, started my career, I took those lessons and applied them to how I was showing up in my corporate jobs. And I was always wondering why I couldn't get ahead because I was working so hard. So it just felt like, well, if I do this, I should have this. And that's not how it not how it works. And it took a lot of unlearning and discovery in order for me to really break through to where I am now. Yeah, so true. I remember I must have been like in my early 20s where someone told me that, you know, if you want to get like abundant and really enjoy your life, there is only one formula. And that formula is to find out what you love to do and then start to do it. And that's it. And I just like, I couldn't believe it's so simple. 
what you say about that formula. Is I that love that way? formula. Yeah. Is that <laughs> that is, yes, that is definitely the formula if there is one. Um, because if you are loving what you're doing, it makes all the difference. And the other thing is, is that abundance is defined differently for each person. You have to figure out what abundance looks like for you. Because so many times I think that people assume that abundance means a certain dollar amount. Maybe it's that you're a millionaire, or maybe it's that you have a, you know, a house and a fancy car, but it's really not, abundance is really not related to money. It's related to um, how you feel and how you feel about how much time and effort you're putting into your job and how much you love what you do and how much quality time you can spend with your loved ones. So it's a lot of different things. It's not just a dollar amount. And so I think a lot of times the definition of abundance gets twisted But if you go back to that idea of being able to love what you do, and that's how you find abundance, then it will never fail you. (laughs) Yeah. And I so agree. Um, Of course, first, I didn't really believe it. So I went the traditional route, like several universities and, you know, some like regular jobs and all of that. And then once I got into a situation where I ran out of money in South Africa while doing my documentary project there. I had to sit down and like ask, you know, what else is possible and figuring out that, wow, I can do angel God readings. I can do it online. I can do like local events and started to do that and did a little crowdfunding for my documentary. And voila, I was doing what I loved and I got paid for it. And it was so much easier And I enjoyed it so much. And I helped and served others. Why hadn't anyone told me that earlier? Like, I mean, like fully, like from the get go. (laughs) So so that was like a real nice aha moment where I shifted that um, point of view, as, as you say, that story, like, oh, my God, I can actually be my own producer of my life and my money story. And not only be the actor in that story, I can produce, I can write what to say and where to go. I love that. Yes. And something that you said, I want to um, emphasize, and it's that question, what else is possible? There is something so profound about that question. And um, as you were saying in my introduction, um, We can definitely go into the story if you want to, but I I essentially got fired from my corporate job because I stood up for myself. And rather than, you know, immediately freaking out and saying, I need to find another job. Oh my God, what am I going to do? I stopped and basically said, what else is possible here? And that's when I decided within a week to open up my own business. And, you know, it, it all just unfolded from there. And so a lot of times when you're in, a lot of money stress, it, that, that single question can shift so much because when you start thinking outside of what you think is your reality, it gives you so many more options and the possibilities really open up, but you have to be open to receive those, those possibilities and open to see what else is possible and not just accept everything at face value. 
Yeah, so true. I had this uh, really interesting image just coming a couple of days ago. Like, you know, uh, imagine that um, you are like on the beach and you you kind of have like a little box, which you kind of like imagine that this is your little sandbox. And because you have blinders on, you don't see that you actually are on the beach. You think that you are in that little sandbox, you know, and that's all what there is. And then suddenly maybe a coach or some like something in life happens so that your blinders are taken away and then you stand up and you see oh my god there is so much abundance abundance of sand like miles for miles I have sand (laughs) and this uh, sandbox is not just a sandbox and then from that is also where the expansion of money and abundance can start to happen because Prior to that, if you're just in that box, it's really hard. And sometimes, you know, you you almost can't get out of it because you need the outside impulse or something needs to like um, wake you up or shake you. Yes. Yeah. Because sometimes when we're stuck in that, um, I like to call it the matrix. Um, When you're stuck in that idea that there's only one way, you don't know what you don't know. And it takes having something dramatic or a person or some wake up call of some kind or another to help you see that there's so much more out there and available to you. Um, so part of it is, is having that experience, but it's also being open to having the experience in the first place. Yeah. So you, you, you mentioned one little detail, which I think um, I also picked out uh, when I was preparing for this podcast, because I, I know myself and I know many of my own uh, female clients are really struggling with it. I have noticed that so many women almost feel that they can't set boundaries or stand up for themselves if they don't have plenty enough of money or extra money to back them up. Or, you know, it feels like when they have more than enough money or extra money, they have kind of like more power or more validity to say what they are saying or people are taking them more seriously. And because of that, so many women actually close their mouth and don't say anything or just suffer silently because, um, you know, that lack mentality or whatever else story is behind there. So do you have some tips and tools how maybe, I don't know, what to do here? Should should one detach from the money idea that I have to have lots of money to be taken seriously or how did you come uh, overcome that uh, obstacle there? <laughs> um, I was always a rebel, so I don't know that I <laughs> overcame the obstacle necessarily. However, I would say as far as a tip goes, um, I think the thing about when you're in that place feeling like you don't have power, one of the questions you can ask yourself is, how can I be of service? Or um, what can I do? And and I think it also is going back to um, taking tiny little baby steps because sometimes when you're in a situation that feels so overwhelming and that you have no control over it at all, um, you lose sight of the fact that you create your own reality and the decisions that you make create that reality as well. And so if you make some choices about, um, it it could be as simple as 
I, I don't have my own money. However, I want to start creating a little nest egg. So therefore I'm going to, um, I don't know, I'm good at sewing. So I'm going to create, you know, something that all of my neighbors want and I'm going to sell them these things like that entrepreneurial spirit, I think helps a lot of women through that. And I know that there are several businesses um, that are set up that way so that women can become more empowered with, with being able to have something in their life other than somebody else's money. And I know that, you know, it's a lot easier to say from the other side when you have money, but I think it's, it's finding that inspiration. The other thing I would say is that if you can connect with your why about why you actually want money, um, that's also a really powerful way to help create it. So if your why is that you want to be able to send your kid to private school, then you might have a little bit more umph behind how you go about it versus um, versus just saying, oh, I just need to make, you know, 10 grand. There's just nothing that's empowering or exciting about that, but actually connecting with that why. So depending on what situation you're in, really connect with, you know, if it's, I want to have my own money so I can create a better life for m- my child or whatever that is, it's going to help you propel forward instead of feeling like you're stuck where you are. Yeah. So it kind of like your why becomes like an engine and um, helps you to keep you on track. Otherwise you're like, you know, uh, wherever the wind blows, that's where you go. And um, then you may also just kind of have the shiny object syndrome so whatever shiny object comes then you just go for that and then there is no momentum uh, created um, from that so uh, one really cool things which you shared actually in your book is uh, something I've never heard before Uh, you talked about money mojo but you talked about it like money has like chakras so um, that was really cool. And on your website, you also have this uh, little test uh, or quiz about the money, uh, money uh, chakras or, or those uh, different, um, different ones. So uh, can you guess which one was mine? And then maybe we can do a little introduction. <laughs> <Those are. laughs> oh, I don't know much about um how you interact with money. So that's a hard one, but just knowing where you are now, I would say you're probably a manifesting energy, but that's a total guess. 10 points. (laughs) Well done. Yeah, it was manifesting energy. So which says, you know, your friends and family see you as lucky. You appear to pull money out of a hat. You typically aren't worried about money because you know there's lots of money out there to earn. And um, then you also have um, some tips here, like, you know, how do you change it and so on. So uh, we'll put the link also later into our gift segment so they can go there and and take the test too. But can you shortly introduce to us what those chakras are and what what each each one of those stands for? So, So we'll kind of create a little more excitement so that they can read more in your book. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I love to tell the story of how this came about. So as I was first starting to work with people, I had the assumption that if you had more money, you obviously would have a better relationship with money. 
that just seemed like what was real. And as I started working with um, my bookkeeping clients, I noticed that that was not the case. And as a bookkeeper, I have the privilege of not only seeing how people interact, but I see how that directly relates to how much money is or is not in their bank account. So I have a very unique perspective because it's not just me hearing people talk about money. Like I, I literally see what's in their accounts. And um, I have a couple of clients who um, are mother and daughter and they come from very um, similar backgrounds. They have a lot of money. And um, I would assume, I w- in my old ways, would have assumed that they both had a great relationship with money. And as I started working with the daughter, she had this scarcity mindset. And I was like, wow, isn't this interesting? Because I wouldn't have expected this because she has plenty of money. And I really started kind of unraveling what was going on and just noticed that people have these different energies with how they interact with their money. And that's really how all of this came about was that I started looking at how my clients would interact with money and what that meant as far as how much money they had in their bank accounts and what that relationship looked like and ways that they could shift what their relationship was based on, you know, how to focus on certain things. Um, So let's see if I can remember what they all are off of the top of my head. (laughs) Yeah, I can help you too. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I had the list here. So So uh, yeah, if you want to start, I can talk from there. (laughs) Yeah. So so the first one you say is uh, free spirit energy. Yeah. So that is the person who... A lot of times they don't really like to look at their money. So a lot of times they'll bury their head in the sand and they're just like, oh, I'm just not good with money. Um, but they're also people who tend to be very generous and they, they do tend to be okay, but it's just a matter of, of paying more attention to, to really shift into a more grounded place. Mm-hmm. Then next you had spending energy. Yeah. So this is the person who really likes to spend. Um, They'll spend um, a lot of money on anything that comes their way. And they don't really do a whole lot of thinking about whether or not they spend. It's almost impulse. Um, And there's nothing wrong with spending. I want to point this out because a lot of people think that when you start talking about money, it's all about budgeting and and holding back in what you spend. But it's really not about that. I think really what it is with the spender is to question why you're spending. Because if you're spending out of just not paying attention and it doesn't bring you joy, then stop spending. If it's something that brings you joy, then then yes, but be more deliberate in how you spend. So next one, you had manifesting energy. That's the one we basically, maybe you have something else to say about it. Yeah, so the manifesting energy is somebody who often is able to make it, uh, make money show up in unexpected ways. Um, The thing that I'd like to point out here is that the shadow side of the manifesting energy is that a lot of times they don't really, they kind of fly by the seat of their pants because they know it always shows up, but then sometimes it makes it hard because 
depending on how you manifest, I know that I manifest this way, is that if I don't have a strong need for it, sometimes I'm not as good at manifesting unless it's like, oh, I need to make it show up now. (laughs) And so the budgeting piece can sometimes be a challenge for those people. Mm -hmm. Then next you have uh, vacillating energy. Yeah. So the vacillator is somebody that's between the spending energy and the savings energy. So they spend a ton and then they feel really guilty about it. And then they, they feel like they're, they've got their, the ground under their feet and then they go out and spend and then they feel guilty. So they, they kind of are on this roller coaster and the vacillating energy for me is where I tend to go in times of stress. So it's probably, Knowing that about me, it's definitely where I learned how to deal with money. And I've kind of shifted over time to the manifesting energy. And and just a side note, a lot of people will will see themselves in several of these. And you tend to have one that's most primary, but then you might have several others that are like, oh, yeah, I can see myself doing this at times. Mm-hmm. And the last one you have is saving energy. Yeah. So the saving energy, I like to call these people the penny pinchers, and they're the ones that are always concerned about how they're going to save money. And from a bookkeeping standpoint, it's really interesting because I do have the clients that are like, oh, I noticed that I was spending $12.95 on this subscription. Do you think I should do a bunch of research and find out if there's a better option? And the answer is yes, if you can find, you know, cheaper options, that's great. But how much time are you spending trying to save money instead of focusing on how you can go out and earn more money? And so some of that is just shifting the focus of if you know you're a saver, then really what you need to do is focus on how you can bring in more money. So a lot of times with our with with these energies you're just kind of shifting the way you interact with it so that it helps bring in more of that abundance. So in a way, it it is kind of like money archetypes. So once mm-hmm. you start to know like who is kind of the leading uh, one and where you need to like work on your shadow ones, um, then you can better your relationship with money in yes. general. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. And one thing what has been really interesting in my own experience, um, when I started to work one-to-one um, with my clients, um, yeah, like in different places where I've lived, uh, what was really fascinating to me was that so many times, I would say like 99.9% of the times people came to me and said, uh, Crystal, I need more money or I need more resources. And then we went deeper in to map, you know, what is it, what what was going on. And it was never about actually directly about the money. So many times it was like stuck in their relationships or sexuality or the way that they didn't take care of themselves or, you know, their health was really uh, very, very in a very bad condition or they had no idea what their, you know, service or their why was. So they were just in that job they hate, hated 
And because of the result of all of those things, like money couldn't uh, manifest. And they were just in that vicious circle and never getting out of it. And once we mapped um, where they were stuck and started to work with that, it influenced uh, the others as well. So this is something which I developed called the abundance wheel um, and understanding that, wow, uh, this is one of the way also to support my clients. But um, have, have you had similar experiences that, you know, when people come, they say like, or oh, I'm so stuck, or even when they reach out to you as like, oh, uh, could you be become my uh, bookkeeper? Uh, what's what's their number one like problem when they uh, reach out to you? Yeah, so it kind of depends on the client, but I would say um, either they feel very disorganized and they know they need to, you know, get it together. <laughs> Or it could be that they just don't have time to to do it. And so if I start working with somebody from a bookkeeping standpoint, um, if I'm also doing money empowerment coaching with them, what I what's the most interesting to me is to really dive into the money story first to see what's going on. Because a lot of times when when you have that problem that appears, there's always something else that, like you're saying, that plays into that. And so if you can figure out what the money story is and what triggers that's causing and what problems or or issues or, or results are showing up because of that story, then you can create those systems and structures. And so and those habits behind the systems and structures. So as a bookkeeper, I'm obviously very systems oriented. Um, and I love to know what is making somebody um, what's giving them anxiety and why, what, what is it that in the, in the back of their money story, that's causing certain things to show up, what patterns are, are happening. Um, And once you uncover that, then you're able to create those systems that align with what you need in order to move forward. So um, for example, my money story was I had to work really hard and I, for the life of me, was not willing to hire support. I didn't want to have systems that made it easier for money to come to me. And until I really took the time to step back and say, okay, something's got to change, then at that point, I was able to put more automation in place and I was able to hire a team. But it takes having that moment of realizing what's holding you back and then putting the systems in place that support that particular trigger. Um, For another example, I have a client who thinks or used to think that she wasn't worthy of having money. And so she also worked really hard in her business. But then once we once we shifted what was going on and, and paid attention to that, we were able to put certain structures in place so that she wasn't overgiving. Because a lot of times as women business owners, we overgive and overdeliver and we don't price ourselves well. We underprice because, you know, lots of different reasons. But, but discovering what that is, what that story is, and what the direct result of that story, how that's showing up, that's how you create those, those practical tools and systems that support you depending on what's happened um, in your past. And then once you have those systems, it frees up a lot of energetic space and brain space for you to then create more of what you want. 
Yeah, I so agree that systems and structure are so important. Um, I traveled for years, like having no home base and I didn't even like, yeah, have a proper budget or like all my online work was also like all over the place. And then one moment I decided that, okay, now let's start to do some proper systems and structure and sat down and did like a 12, 12 month, like online course outline and got people into it. And then of course, because I had it going. I also had clients. I could also budget because I knew how much was coming in and uh, how much was going out. And then I also could start to save again. So it's so important. I always use this um, image of, you know, so these little pools, which you blow up for kids, like uh, small ones. And uh, when you blow it up, then of course you can fill it with the water. But if you don't blow it up and put water into it, what happens? It just sits there and then it fills up with rainwater and dirt. And yeah. <laughs> and I stuff. mean, no water, actually, if you don't blow it up properly, there is no water to right. hold it together. So it's like, you know, uh, creating its own container. And if there is no air, then there is no pool, so to say. So it's uh, that's why those structures and systems are so important. And uh, bookkeeper is uh, someone who I actually took into my business in Estonia when I started there. The first person I, I hired was the bookkeeper. And I'm so glad I did it because my business is now in Estonia, like 14 years old. And I couldn't imagine like doing all that, you know, extra work uh, with that, even though I've even taken classes and so on. But it's not just my thing. So let someone who loves the numbers and can do it really well do it. And I just pay you know uh, that's, yeah that's I love I love that analogy yes I love that analogy and I also want to point out it's not just bookkeeping it's everything in your business if there's something that you hate doing don't do it there are so many people out there that are good at things like you know social media and marketing or um you know, like you said, bookkeeping or anything, virtual assistant. I mean, there are so many ways to get support in your business. And there's no reason uh, for you to burn yourself out thinking that you have to do it all. Yeah, so true. Especially uh, when people now are starting up their own businesses because they just lost their jobs as well. So it's, um, it's a really crucial element to take with as a beginner entrepreneur that um, once we start, we think that we have to do everything, but we don't, we can actually save money if we have someone to help us with uh, projects or tasks. So yes. I, I so, uh, I'm so on it as well. So another thing you uh, briefly mentioned, but um, didn't really go deeply into, uh, which I think is also many, especially women may have issues, is what do you think, why is it so hard for especially women to ask the price they are worth uh, uh, for their services and their gifts they are sharing with the world? And first is why, and then secondly, maybe if you have some tips, like what they could do to uh, overcome that. Yeah, so I think the why, it goes back to your money story, of course, it always does, but it also goes back to our culture. Um, we are taught, especially as women, that it's impolite to talk about money. 
and that it's rude to ask somebody how much money they make or how much they spend on their house or car. And so we're constantly taught that we shouldn't be talking about money. And so then when it comes to us asking and pricing ourselves, it then becomes very awkward because we feel like we're in, in the middle of a taboo where we should not be talking about it. And so um, I think that probably the best thing is <laughs> when I was first starting my business, I'll tell this quick little story. When I was first starting my business and researching pricing, I was told that you should price yourself three times higher than what you'd be paid if you were working in a corporate job. And I just about fell over and I thought, no way will people pay me three times that amount. And in hindsight, I really wish I would have listened to that advice because um, yes, people will pay it. And second, um, you don't realize how much money it costs to <clears throat> do the sales process and to, to just operate your business. And people are happy to pay it. You're only working for them maybe a couple of hours. You're not working for them 40 hours a week. And so um, just, just realizing that there, there are people out there that can afford your services. The other thing to note is that people, there's a huge range of what people consider affordable. So if I quote you a price, you might think that it's great. You might think that it's a great bargain. There are other people who might look at that and think that it's so expensive because the price is really relative. And so if you price yourself in a way that feels aligned with you and, and you feel confident in those prices, you, you are able to really move forward. Whereas if you're pricing yourself in a way that you've, you're pricing out of fear and scarcity, like, I, oh my gosh, nobody can afford me. So therefore I'm going to price low. You're always going to run up against things like burnout and working too hard. Um, so yeah, I would just say it's, it's a matter of mindset, but then also practical knowing what people will pay. And so sometimes I even suggest doing a little market research when you first start out. But if you do market research, be careful not to compare yourself to others because what you offer is unique. So you don't want to like do crowdsourced, what should I charge? You definitely need to go within and make sure that that energetic alignment is, is there for what you're charging and what you're delivering. Yeah, so true. I had some experiences when I started out with my business in Estonia, uh, similar to everything you just mentioned. So first, I basically tested my business idea out like without even like, you know, registering my business just to see if there is like enough interest and if it would work and what people would pay and so on. And uh, once I decided that, okay, this seems to have like a lot of grounds and um, I could make it work. Then I sat down, I wrote my business plan. I even like showed it to some like crazy successful businessmen. They just looked at it and said like, um, this will never happen. This is some utopia thing you write here. And then just one year later, I had made like um, quite a big of um, profit and managed it pretty well. So those businessmen couldn't really like understand how I did it. But 
uh, in this process, I had this one service I started to offer, which was a little more uh, than the above average, you know, maybe in dollars, like around like one uh, session, which, which took like two hours, like around like $300 or even more, which even in Estonia at that time, even though it was really lush and kind of uh, crazy money-wise, was still quite a bit to ask. And um, I uh, uh, had to like build my alignment into that level because uh, when I wasn't there, I attracted people who were saying, uh, Krista, I really like to have it. Uh, can I pay in like 10 lead payments? And then I even took a couple of those clients and then I thought like, oh my God, but you know, I already have paid for electricity and rent and petrol or even the rent for the room where I was doing my sessions or whatever, you know. And it's like, um, I can't go to the dentist and say that, hey, I'll pay you in like uh, 10 lead payments or go to the petrol station and say like, oh, um, I'm not going to pay you now. I'll pay you like, I don't know, in three months, you know. Yeah. So when the service is done, you also um, you you are also ready to receive and should receive the payment as uh, soon as possible. So um, and as I was working with it, then what happened was finally I started to track people who actually started to pay that money and even above. Then I knew that okay, now I'm probably ready that you know I can actually increase my price. So. And then as I was aligned, I could uh, increase it. And then it continued. I started to attract those people. So it's so connected to that self-value element. Mm -hmm. And as you said, that's connected to the money stories. So, so once we fix those money stories, then the self-value thing will also start to grow, right? Yes, definitely. So that's a, that's a good formula. Um, I also really loved from your book, you had a little story of um, uh, how dream manifest, uh, dreams manifest. And I have worked with so many of my dreams similarly. Like I just like, you know, if something comes to me and I feel it resonates or aligns with me and uh, gives me that uh, energy of aliveness, then I do my outmost, outmost pest to make it happen. And you and your husband, you were living in Utah and you had the dream to move to San Diego. Can you tell us the story, how that came about? Yeah. So I had wanted to move to San Diego for about a decade, maybe even longer. And um, the timing was just kind of right. My husband and I started talking about, you know, here we are working so hard. And what is it for? We really started to examine our why. And neither of us really loved the cold. We both had grown up in Utah and we'd always talked about moving, but, you know, part of it was just having the guts to do it because it is a big move. We do have family down here, but most of our family is in Utah. And um, so we did a lot of soul searching and decided, you know, yes, it was time to, to take the leap. And as we made that decision, things just started falling into place. It was almost as if magic happened because once you connect with what it is that you want and you put it out to the universe that you're ready, then things just happen. So the house that I live in now, this office that I'm in right now, um, we had looked for a house, didn't really find anything. Um, I was working with a business coach at the time that said, 
when you step into the space that's going to be your office, ask if it's going to create more. And when I walked into this space that I'm in right now, it was a resounding yes. I absolutely knew that it was time. Um, And we ended up um, putting an offer on this house sight unseen, other than just having our cousin walk around and FaceTime us. Um, The market in San Diego is one where if you buy a house, a lot of times there's multiple offers on the house. And um, it usually goes within a couple of days. I saw this house online and I saw it and I was like, well, I don't know if it's really it. But then once I decided, yes, this is it, um, we put in an offer and um, we had cash in the bank because we had sold our house in Utah. And because we could close the fastest, we were actually awarded the house, even though we weren't the highest offer. Um And once, like I said, once you decide that it's going to happen, things just automatically, like there were so many reasons I could have stopped myself. There were so many people that were like, why are you moving to California? It's so expensive there. And the safe thing to do is just stay here. And a lot of it is just tuning out that, that outside influence when you know truly what's right for you. And I also feel like my business and I needed to be in this space in order to grow in the direction that I knew um, my business wanted to grow. And so it was just following those those intuitive hits and trusting that it was going to show up because sometimes you have to let it all fall apart and not know how it's going to work out um, before you actually say yes. Yeah, that trust element is uh, so crucial. And I also like how you said in another podcast, you actually said like, you know, so many people are saving their money and, you know, maybe have their why in place, but it's all like in that distant future, like one day I will live in San Diego and walk in the sand and so on. And you said, why should I like prolong and, you know, uh, wait for it if I can do it now? So that's such a good point. Yeah, because if you constantly are saving money to do something in the future, like go on that trip or, you know, retire early and and travel around the world, if you wait too long, you miss the opportunity and there's always going to be another excuse about why you can't do it. It is scary. Anytime I've done something big like this, it's terrifying, but sometimes you have to say yes when it scares you. <laughs> yeah. And then you will grow through that experience. Yes, yeah. absolutely. So you are such a good example also, you know, with your background that you have many things you have tried, like anthropology, creative writing, and then being in the corporate world and now doing bookkeeping and now the uh, money empowerment project. So Basically, it seems to me, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, you have activated many of your eggs, which are in different baskets. And this way, you keep also multiple income streams and possibilities for your talents to show um, themselves and also serve you. Yeah, and I think that part of it is also just following what um, I know is true for me. Um, When I was in the corporate world, my background is actually in event planning. And so when I opened my business, it was a combination of events and uh, bookkeeping. And I had no idea that bookkeeping would be such a huge need. 
And then from that grew the Money Empowerment Project and money coaching. And so for me, I just kind of follow what's speaking to me. And I think I've always done that. Um, My mom always used to joke that I was destined to be an event planner because as a young child, I was always planning parties and planning things out. And I'm a very good organizer. Um, And so I think it's just following your skill sets and following what you love, just like we were talking about earlier, following what you're really good at and what you enjoy doing. And then from there, you know, I've pivoted several times and I actually just retired the event side of my business because it wasn't bringing me joy any longer. And I think that that's part of the process and part of our growth is that even though something serves you right now, maybe in a year or two from now, it might not be the right thing. And it's okay to let go of those things because it opens up the door for something else. And if I wouldn't have let go of the idea that I just had to be an event planner, I never would have found bookkeeping. And if I wouldn't have let go of the idea that I had to just do events and bookkeeping, I never would have found the Money Empowerment Project. And as I move through my career and my life, I always follow that that intuition because that's truly what guides you um, to find those things that you love and be in the right place at the right time. Yeah, it, it almost feels like uh, our talents also have seasons and uh, these different treasures inside of us have certain times they want to like, you know, almost like come to the stage and have their moment and then it's their time and you have to support them and uh, do whatever you can, you know, to blow wind under their wings and if you do that they can actually serve you really greatly and uh, not only you but also other people in the process of course yes absolutely yeah so another thing uh, what I really loved about your book is um, which I think um, so many people also maybe forget at times you ask the question here what if abundance is simply a point of view Can you just tell us a little more and elaborate? What is it you mean by that? Yeah, so so I think that perception is a really important thing. And and when we, I think it goes back to that idea of like living in that box. You have this idea that, that, that things are the way they are. But really, when you look at things a lot deeper, you can see that things are not as they appear. And that perception may be a little bit, bit you know, off. And so when you think about abundance, it is that, that perception that, that really dictates. Because if you are constantly looking at somebody else saying, oh, I will feel abundant and wealthy and rich once I'm like that person. Or or when I have this dollar amount in my bank account, you're missing out on all of this abundance that's right in front of us all the time. And a lot of that is is coming from um, living in a constant state of gratitude. Um, I would say that's probably one of the key things in my life is that the more I'm I'm grateful for what's in front of me, the more automatically is attracted into my life. And it's funny how those the manifestation manifestation and gratitude just go hand in hand. And and some of that is is definitely perception. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so true. Um, there is another writer, um, it's a Russian writer um, called Vadim Selan, and he has r- written many books. Um, it's called Transurfing, I think. And one of the images or pictures he kind of gives is, you know, imagine if you are standing in front of the mirror and if you're smiling, then what do you see in the mirror? You see, you know, reflection of you smiling. If you are sad, what do you see in the mirror? You see yourself sad. So what is it you want to see in that mirror? So if you want to see yourself smiling or abundant or whatever, then you have to, you know, cause that so that you can see that reflection. It's kind of like perception as well, in yes. a way. So uh, you have to be the first one to activate the process. And once you do it, um, everything will change with that. Yes, I love that. Yeah, yeah. So in your book, I also loved, um, you had some really amazing money breakthrough questions maybe you can talk about it like why this is so important and um, maybe you can also give some examples uh, to us and if you don't remember I've actually written a couple of out so you can elaborate yeah so um, the money breakthrough questions they're at the back of each of my chapters and it's really just an opportunity for you to connect with money and what money wants to say to you And for those of you who haven't ever thought about money as its own energy, um, this might be a new concept, but money truly is an energy and money does have something to say to you. And so when you go through these questions, they help open up those possibilities. So that question, like what else is possible here? It's, it's that same concept, but it's with money and, and based on, where you are and what's going on. And so I envision people using these as journaling prompts or questions that, that create more. And um, one of my favorites is, you know, if I knew that there was plenty of money or if money were no issue, what would I do differently? Or what would be different in my life? Because a lot of times we, we create these false barriers because we think something is a certain way. And when you take that out of the way, you realize that the possibility is always there. It's just that self-imposed barrier. And so those questions are really meant to help open up whatever might be standing in the way of you truly finding that joy and the possibility and abundance that's sitting right in front of you. I would love to hear some of those questions that you found that you liked. Uh, what was really cool with that is, you know, as a mermaid, I like to dive. So um, dive deeper into things and ocean and, you know, all, all of that. So these questions had really, um, they um, they activated some really, as you say, it's it's a way to brainstorm, you know, what, what can you do and where are things rooted? And, and so you kind of like excavating yourself and your money story and, and everything connected to that. And one which really stood out was, you know, if money wouldn't be um, an issue, that one was very powerful. And that one I've heard before and worked on. But you also had some which one which was like, you know, uh, what if you could do what you do and you're not like afraid of failure or what you do will be a success? And I think that's like a powerful question, too, because, you know, so many times 
I see with my own clients, they just stop. They don't even try because they're just so afraid of the failure. But, you know, you have to just experience. And sometimes, you know, you get um, the next information or next step after you have experienced something. And I, I always say to my clients that there is no failure. There is only, you know, there are only experiences because whatever you experience is a success. Yes. I love that. Yeah. And that question is also really powerful um, when you're thinking about your pricing, going back to that conversation, because if you knew that people would say yes to how you're pricing your service, where would you price your services? Um, kind of the same concept of if you knew you couldn't fail, what would you do? Yeah. And then you had another one, which was uh, if you would put your price from the place of abundance, what would that be? And that one was really like very thought provoking uh, question. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many great um, questions that, that open up possibility. But I think, I think what the interesting thing about questions is that I might say something one way and then it might not hit you, but then I say it a different way. And all of a sudden it's like, oh yeah, this is exactly what, what it means. And I think that goes down, um, comes down to the idea of the land of plenty. When I talk about plenty, there is, there's plenty of everything. There's plenty of money. There's plenty of leads. There's plenty of clients. They're, like Our world is infinite and our world is constantly expanding and when we step to, step into that reality and that knowing, then everything else is possible. And so I think those questions really come from that place of blowing the, 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 the walls out so that yeah. you can really see what's possible. Yeah. So I really encourage everyone to get Carolyn's book because um, once you start to read it, it's actually quite a lot of material to go through you can like go through it like it's it's like a mini course of your own money story and money empowerment in a way having you alongside like giving uh, guidance and holding space for them thank you that's yeah. a great compliment yeah yeah and um one thing which is really popular recently i see so many um women entrepreneurs are using uh the word called soulpreneur uh could you define what that means to you and how you use this uh in your business yeah so to me a soulpreneur is somebody who lives out their life purpose through their business and so uh, I consider myself a solopreneur and I feel that when I'm doing bookkeeping, I'm not just doing somebody's books. I am helping empower that person around their money. It becomes something much deeper than just doing the task at hand. Um, and so to me, um, my why is really, I believe that women can change the world if they have power around their money. Because we have, when you spend money, how you donate to causes you care about, how you invest in other women, that all has the power. There's the phrase, the power of the purse. It's, it's that power that I'm talking about. And so for me, my why is to help people understand their money so that they can generate more. And the more money they generate, the more they are able to spend money on things that they care about and causes they care about, 
because so many times we as women have these stories that we aren't worthy of money and, you know, my, what can my measly $10, how can that make a difference or whatever that that story is. But really when we start being very conscious about how and where we spend and receive our money, that's what's going to change the world. Um, you know, if you, if you don't like the way that something's, you know, the way that a company treats their employees, stop shopping there. If you um, see, you know, injustice in the world, make a difference, whether it's volunteering or donating money or, you know, whatever it is, but, but do something about it. And having money puts you in a place of power because you can do something. And so as we are stuck in our stories, we're keeping ourselves from having money and therefore keeping us from making the changes we want to see. So I really, truly believe that as we step up into our money power, we then are able to show up in a way that helps change the world to make it a better place for all of us. Yeah, so true. And I I totally believe as well that awareness empowers money. So every choice you do, uh, which you do with awareness, um, then your money can also like instantly multiply and amplify in uh, so many ways. Yes. Um, uh, so now, uh, one of the things you have also talked about, and uh, which I think um, many people are probably needing a little more guidance, so maybe you can uh, give us some tips, like how to become a good steward of your money. What could be those first maybe two or three steps what people could take or do? Yeah, so I think um, being a good steward of your money, um, the first step is really just being aware So if you're one of those people who has a lot of fear around your money and you don't like to look at your bank accounts, a first step is simply look at your bank accounts. Um, Being a good steward of your money to me means that you pay a little bit of attention to your money and and think of it like a relationship. Um, So if you were best friends with somebody and you only called them when you needed something, it's probably not a great relationship. (laughs) And the same is true with your money. So, you know, you want, you want to spend some time really understanding that relationship that you have with it and, and have some fun with it. Don't just be, you know, full of fear and only being there when, when you need it, you want to have some interactions that are, that are positive. And what I mean by that is, um, Spending time understanding your numbers so that you can make empowered decisions about how you spend your money or how you receive your money even. Um, Another thing is being in alignment with um, things like your bank. So if you want, um, I know this came up a lot with the pandemic and people trying to get funding. There were a lot of big banks who wouldn't lend to small businesses. They put priority on the bigger businesses who didn't need the funding as much as the small businesses. And I think that speaks volumes to being in alignment with the places that hold your money. And that also goes with, um, you know, where do you keep your money? Is your purse like worn out and your wallet worn out? Or is it something that feels abundant? Um, And I also think it's being very deliberate about um, the space that you 
inhabit with your money. So that's your house or your office or wherever you are being deliberate about how money supports you. So just in the past year, I've upgraded my office very deliberately. Everything in my office is here for a very specific reason and it energetically supports me. And when I walk into my office, it feels like abundance to me. And being a good steward of your money is also making sure that that money is supporting you as well. It's, I guess it's, it's creating that mutual relationship with your money that I'm talking about. I hope that yeah. answered your question. Yeah, <laughs> There's yeah, so much there to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> it totally makes sense. Um, I so believe that we have to really, you know, first heal and then reset and then, uh, rebuild our relationship with money so that we can start to have a two-way street uh, on that you know and it's so true like so many times when people come to me as well they say like you know I don't know why it's that like that but it's basically like money always goes away faster than it comes so it's like al- almost like what I said in the beginning you know imagine that your money is your friend and then coming and just knocking and then just maybe even leaving before you can manage to open the door, you know. So um, there are so many ways you can, you know, look into that. And you gave lots of tips and tools. And uh, also during some of our live events in Estonia, I actually asked so many times people to take out their wallets. So to see also like what color it was, uh, did they have like cash in there? Uh, how was the situation in the wallet? So some of the people's wallets were like uh, really messy, full of like receipts and like God knows what. And if I would be money, I wouldn't like to be in that, you know, wallet. So <laughs> so it's it's a really good point. And recently, I don't know if you have read, uh, Ken Honda had, uh, has written a book called Happy Money. I have and, not read it, but I've heard wonderful things about that book. Yeah. So it's basically also like asking your money and also thinking how to make my money happy. As as mm-hmm. you said, you know, what bank it's like in, you know, uh, where where is the wallet, you know. And um, I think with his book, some people even started to go like to the uh, other extreme. They, they I think, made like uh, a couch for money and a bed for money and <laughs> stuff like that. But I mean, if it rocks your world, why not, you know, mm-hmm. go wild and creative with it. So, so. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So um, before we wrap up, I have one question, which I like to ask all of our guests. And um, it's basically like a little imagination uh, exercise, like um, imagine now one day when your uh, journey as a human is done here. Uh, what would you like your legacy be left behind um, when they come over your name or maybe they see something you have done? What would it be like? What would you like other people to find about you? And what would that legacy be? I would say that I would love to have my legacy be that I have empowered millions of women to understand their relationship with money. Um, I feel that we as women have the power and ability, especially right now, to redefine how money works and how our systems work. And now is the time for us to rise up and embrace that power. And so I would love my legacy to be that I was um, 
leading that movement and supporting that movement and, and inspiring others to rise up and be part of that movement. Yeah. Such, such a good, uh, good point and good uh, activator. So needed right now. And uh, one other question, which I uh, want to ask because it came out that you are about to celebrate your a uh, really uh, nice number of anniversary with your husband. Yes, so we are about ready to celebrate our 25th wedding anniversary this fall. Wow, congratulations. Thank you. So 25 years, that's a long time. Uh, what have been your tips and tools how to make it work? So I just actually wrote a blog post about this, but um, about 10 or 12 years ago, we were in marriage counseling and neither one of us was 100% all in because we were scared the other person wasn't, you know, didn't love us as much or, you know, whatever story we were saying at the time. And um, our therapist had challenged us to say, okay, so if you acted as if you were all in, what would be different? And she challenged us to spend the next month acting as if we knew the other person was 100% all in. And that piece of advice was truly what changed the marriage. Like, that's really what saved our marriage, I would say. And I think that I've applied that now to my life in so many different ways, to my personal life, to my business life, to my relationship with my husband. And um, I love that idea of if you were all in, what would be different or act as if you're all in? Because when we show up 100% ourselves, that's truly where we find where we're living out our soul's purpose, right? If we're 100% all in. And so I think it's important in our relationships, no matter if they're romantic or or you know, friends or family or whatever it is that we show up 100% all in. So that that's my advice. That's uh, amazing advice. I've never heard of it like that way. So it's um, really good. Uh, very fresh point of view. Thank you. Yeah. So now, uh, when people have been listening to this, they are interested to find more about you and money empowerment project, where can they go to, to um, dive in deeper? Yeah. So my website is uh, moneyempowermentproject.com. And I do have a free chapter of my book on my website that you can take. And then we also talked about the quiz that's there as well. So um, yeah, if you're interested, I'd love for you to check it out. Yeah. And we'll put the link uh, for people who are interested to purchase your book also in the podcast notes so they can uh, indulge themselves. And I think uh, these kind of books are amazing gifts as well. Um, there were times in my life where I bought like these kind of self-development uh, books, uh, extra copies all the time. And till this day, I still do it. And then um, I don't even know sometimes who they go to. But I just like if if I feel something is really like, you know, resonating and aligned with me, I know that, okay, this uh, book needs to be like distributed to more people. And uh, then when the time comes, I have extra gift and then it will find a new home. 
Yeah. And I love before we started the show, we talked about the free chapter and you had mentioned, you know, wow, that's very generous to give away a whole chapter. But I think it comes down to that same idea that there's um, I want to be a contributor to this conversation around money. And if that chapter is all somebody needs to make it to the next step, wonderful. If you want the whole book, great. If you know people who will benefit, even better. Share it with as many people as you possibly can, because this is a very, very important message. And whether you um, get that from me or from somebody else who talks about money like I do, it's okay because it's all part of a movement around money empowerment. And so I'm, I'm honored to be part of that journey, however that may look, whether that's through a free chapter or you purchasing multiple copies and giving them out to friends or whatever it looks like. I think it's important for us to keep this conversation going around money. Yeah. It's like, uh, it is always like an elephant in the room, everyone knows yeah. it's there, but no one talks about it. But yes. it's really important that we have loudspeakers to talk about that. And I'm yes. so glad you you are one of them. And uh, we can now use this podcast to even make it heard louder. Yes, thank you. Thank you for providing the format. Yeah, thank you. And the eighth uh, chapter is the one which is uh, available there, which is called Living in the Land of Plenty. And uh, these uh, topics which you have here are so exciting. You know, uh, we believe that money is infinite. We stop chasing money because it only makes it run. We believe it all counts and so on and so on. It's like multiple pages. So I really recommend if you want to get a little taster to um, sniff it a little bit. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. And um, to finish it up, I also have like a really nice uh, creative uh, project here. I started some years ago. Um, I have a little bag with little questions and ribbons. Mm. And um, this one actually started um, as an idea in Norway as I was still working um, as an angel therapist. And I had some angel cards and then I was just like writing those questions and made it into ribbons and then at the fairs, I asked people to take some and then they could like, you know, indulge them th- themselves with, with those little snippets of insights and stuff. Uh, over the years, I understood that, okay, maybe those messages are not so exciting anymore. So I made my own. And uh, today I pulled out one for our podcast to see what the message is for you and for me. And then for the listeners who are here or the uh, people who are viewing this. Uh, The number is 47. I will also explain what that means. But the question is, what if I would put all my skills, talents and knowledge in work? Would I make money with it? (laughs) (laughs) The answer is yes. (laughs) Yeah. Isn't that like a a really amazing chatbot question for this podcast? Like, I didn't even know that it was there, you know. So um, basically what this is, like each one of you, you can write this question down and live in it. And that question will activate those answers and possibilities and expansion and liberation happen into your life. And um, of course, when you put your skills and talents and knowledge to work, it can start to serve you and also uh, bring you money as part of the process. 
And then we have four and seven, which in new time numerology, four is actually uh, creation energy. And also uh, this is actually also like a business energy, like uh, bring your knowledge and talents into the business format and how can you serve people with that. And seven in, um, in this uh, setting is actually it's a mature masculine, which is basically what you talked here about, you know, structure and systems and earth element. It's uh, everything which is really grounded and uh, mature uh, to support, you know, to grow the money and have uh, really good systems and structures for the money to be at. When we put it together, we get 11. And one is actually, it's it's like this... Uh, energy of like standing on your own platform being like really uh, sure who you are expressing your gifts and uh, all of that and when we put one to one together then we have two which is the dance of the masculine and feminine which we talked about uh, today as well you mentioned about the importance of trust and intuition which is the feminine and then the masculine, you have to take action. You have to build those structures and systems. And then when they two start to dance together, then abundance will be born, like almost organically and of itself. What a beautiful oh, I love offer. that. Love yeah. that. <laughs> okay. So um, any final words for our listeners and viewers from you? Um, I'm just very grateful that you had me here and I am so grateful for all of you that are listening and I hope that um, this has been of value and wish you so much abundance and joy and possibility in your life. Thank you so much and um, I'll ask everyone to check out all the goodies Carolyn has and you also will have I think uh, soon you start to do the 21 day money detox day uh, uh, class it was like uh, if I remember correct yes so I have a program that's called the 21 day money cleanse and I offer it a couple of times a year usually around spring equinox and fall equinox and it is a great first step if you're ready to um, rise up and really embrace that money power because we do a deep dive into your money story and then we um, figure out which systems will support you the best and then really work through how you're going to transform your relationship with money by unlearning those things that are holding you back. Yeah, I really love the sound of it, money detox. Like I've done lots of detoxes, but that's maybe some I should do too. <laughs> <laughs> really cool. Okay, thank you very much, Caroline. All the best to your projects and um, abundance. Uh, may it continuously multiply. Thank you. Thank you to you yeah. too. Yeah. And all of our listeners and viewers, please, as always, like, share, and also um, tell us uh, if you have any comments. And also, uh, don't hesitate to also ask questions or leave us a review to our Facebook uh, page or iTunes. And you can find this podcast on Podbean, Google Play, iTunes, uh, Spotify, and also on our Facebook page and also YouTube. So check out also the YouTube version of this podcast um, as it comes out and enjoy all the gifts in what, what you find in the notes. So thank you so much. Mahalo. Thank you.
had a blast having this beautiful podcast episode recording. What did we talk about today, Carolyn? <laughs> Cut! <laughs> I, didn't know you were gonna, I didn't know you were going to put the what we we're going to talk about on me. I thought I was just going to be responding. <laughs> Sorry, totally was not prepared for that. <laughs> okay, that's fine.